Hey, great podcast today. We give you all the latest on what's happening in the house and Israel. You don't want to miss it. Uh, brought to you by Home Title Lock. Most people have no idea that there's an invisible gap in their home's protection. Your home, your equity is at risk. This invisible threat is house stealing. According to the FBI, and I quote, con artists pick a house. It can be a vacation home, rental property, or the home someone is living in. They transfer the deed of the house into their name by obtaining the forms, using fake IDs, and then filling out the paperwork with the proper authorities. Now they own the home. Once this step is complete, they take out loans using your home as collateral. They can sell your home from right out from underneath you. This is not something that can happen. This is something that does happen. Home Title Lock can make all the difference. Protect your home from this invisible gap. Check your home's title right now at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code BECK and they'll send you a complete scan of your home's title. In your first 30 days, triple lock title protection is free. HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code BECK. HomeTitleLock.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. talk to you about the shoreline i want to talk to you we right now are adrift in a sea of lies and confusion and chaos and when you find yourself in times of confusion you have to ask yourself is this what i want are we getting further away from sanity or closer to it history shows civilizations do not thrive on whims but we thrive on unwavering principles and truth. Years ago, I said, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. In the grand tapestry of our, of our nation, disagreements are the threads that we weave together. Tax rates, parties, policy debates. We can navigate these. But when we start dismantling the bedrock on which our nation was built, when we start tampering with the eternal truths, we risk the entire structure collapsing. And make no mistake, this is not about Hamas. This is not about Israel. This is not about uh, tax policies. It's not about global warming. This is about the entire structure coming down by design. Consider this. No matter how grand or opulent or how great, how wonderful your house is, if it is not built on a strong foundation, it's not going to last. If that foundation is universal principles like the sanctity of life or the simple truths found in the guidelines like the Ten Commandments, then you have something solid to build on. If not, it's a house of cards and the next breeze will send it tumbling. Our bedrock, our house has been built on bedrock that was so strong, it has taken decades to get us into this weak position. And you know what? America may not survive. 
But those truths, those principles will. And maybe it's just going to be just a few of us leave, lead, uh, living by those principles that refuse to give in. We are now lost in so many different things. The debates on the House Speaker. The hell is happening there? Do you realize Rome is burning? We're lost in the debates now uh, uh, on who's going to be the speaker. And, and we're now arguing about which one of these two guys that would both be okay. Which one is going to be our savior? None of them is going to be our savior. None of them. You know why? Because we, the people, are not serious about things. We're not serious about it. We have $33 trillion in debt. And if we were serious about it, then our elected officials would be more serious about it. But we just think we can have it all. We're drowning in this debt. And Republicans, Democrats, I mean, Democrats are actually lighting the fires. Republicans are just, you know, playing the fiddle. While Rome burns. And what happens? As we waste this time, what happens? You're building the story that Republicans don't know how to rule. Republicans can't. Republicans can't take anything seriously. They'll never get anything done. Why will they say that? Because in a very few short weeks, we're going to come up with another budget impasse. And while we're fiddling around trying to figure out who's going to be the leader, what's happening? Nothing. So we'll have a new CR, a blank check to the big and deep state. Our country is drowning in debt. Our citizens are about to experience a greater depression, which most people don't know what it even means because it's never been explained to them. There are no budget cuts that can be considered. It's all just, it, oh, we have to spend all of it. Instead of seeking the shore, we're told we can fund two wars. We can do that. That's what the Treasury Department said yesterday. We, of course we can. Really? Meanwhile, there's no budget cuts because we got the two wars, but we also have to continue the study, and I'm not making this up, of the lesbian vagina in the Congo. Yeah, there's no budget cuts. Dwight D. Eisenhower told us about this. Now, he was a military man, a military man. And in his farewell address, everybody remembers him uh, warning of the undue influence of the military industrial complex. But that's not just what he said. He said the military, scientific, and educational industrial complex. He cautioned us about the potential rise of a disastrous rise of misplaced power. That the military, the science, and the educational systems would all be gathered around money. And they would serve the master of money through the government. And we're seeing it. We're also seeing this ugly head rise up in what used to be called the free marketplace. I want you to listen to something, a show I did in 2011 while I was still at Fox. Listen to this. There are three groups of people, three groups of people. They want a new world order. One, 
This is your choice. One, one world government. This is open society. This is the United Nations, whatever you want to call it. One world government. They have lots of money, lots of power, and they have NGOs, non-governmental organizations. They're getting that one done. They're organized. This one, this is the caliphate if you're in Iran or Turkey. This one is the United Islamic Nations. This is the one the Muslim Brotherhood is going for now. But it all looked like this. It's a new world order. You know, and they have, they're organized too. They have the religion and the mosques and apparently help from Google as well, at least in Europe, or I mean, I'm sorry, in Egypt. And then you have this one, workers union, or they call it state capitalism. Really what it is is just good old fashioned communism. They have the unions and community organizing, but they're organized. They're moving forward. Uh, as George Soros told me, oh, there is already, uh, the ship has sailed and it is moving on. Really, has it? Well, it, these three are sailing. They are sailing. What I told you at the time is happening right now. You've got the Islamists. You have the communists and the socialists. Uh, and you have... Uh, the One World Order people all coming together, working together. Did you see that in Los Angeles, the Palestinian signs were not just in support of Hamas, but also for DEI? What? 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 How's that happening? They're all working together. Now, what is in our national interest, America? A war? No. A return to truth. And that doesn't cost a dime. It's a treacherous path when government forgets its proper role. And we allow the weeds of chaos to strangle the roots of our foundational principles. Water will wet. Fire will burn. That is always true. These are unwavering, undeniable truths. And just like these truths, they are principles that the nation was built on. Being the United States, United States, is not just a title. It's a declaration. It's a promise. It's a commitment to come together despite our differences. But that is not possible if you don't have principles if you don't have principles what are you coming around what is bringing you together it's really not hard but it requires you to sift through the noise through the chaos it demands that we reject the falsehoods the deception and the lies to unite we have to remember the things that our grandparents and our great-grandparents all the way down to our pilgrims held dear. Because they, if we want to be the beacon of hope, the symbol of freedom, hell, if we just want our children not to be slaves, then we have to anchor ourselves to universal principles. I'm sorry, I know it's very fashionable to say all kinds of lies today. I know it's very fashionable to be open-minded and say, well, I don't know Hamas. What don't you know about Hamas? 
What don't you know about Hamas and what don't you know about Israel? Israel is exactly like us. They're good sometimes, bad sometimes. Hamas, bad, always, always. They are a culture of death, and we have embraced a culture of death. We got to find our way back to the truth. We have to hold fast to the principles that have stood the test of time, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights. If we don't, we are going to be swept up in the winds of change. As you look at the news today, remember, principles and truths are not just words. They are the bedrock of our civilization. And as we ponder our path forward, let's make sure we're looking past the fancy, old-timey, dusty words and look at those words and find the underlying, meaningful, and everlasting truths. That is what will make us united and unshakable. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. As uh, we approach uh, the renewing of the American Covenant, which was done by George Washington, our pilgrims, and Abraham Lincoln, uh, that is happening on this program the week before Thanksgiving. I invite you to join. You can find out all the information at glenbeck.com. Just look for the 40 Days and Nights uh, program right on the front page. Skip Moen is uh, with us. Um, he was on with us a couple of weeks ago. He was fascinating, um, talking about how the, the Beatitudes have been mistranslated. And it's, it's so much more beautiful and deep the way uh, he has explained it. But we wanted to get him on um, to talk a little bit about good and evil. And what is the solution here? He's written a great article. You can find it at skipmoen.com. Uh, about what the biblical solution is, but he says, nobody's ever going to want to do it, but I don't know. I think we've tried everything else. Maybe we should go with God's plan. Skip, welcome. Thank you, Glenn. And yeah, it's a good idea. Let's go with God's plan. Yeah. So, so so the, the solution to the inhumanity of, of humans or Hamas in this case. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to make a, a little caveat first. I, I have never been to Gaza. I've been to Israel many times. I have friends who live there. I know a lot of rabbis there. I've went, been to the West Bank. And so my perspective will be, you know, on the side of Israel's struggle against this evil mm. in order for them to have peace. Um, I recognize that there are huge humanitarian issues, but the but I think that we have to back up a little bit and, and remember that this conflict really isn't a conflict about the issues of uh, Gaza and its uh, political and social environment. It's a, it's a conflict between those who wish to exterminate the Jew at any cost, the real enemy, the evil part of that, and the rest of the world. It's not just about Israel. It's about do we allow 
human humans who are absolutely intent on the on the obliteration of an entire ethnic group or a race or whatever it happens to be, do we allow them to continue or do we stand up and do something about it? Well, why is it that we always seem to get to this place and then we turn a blind eye? Uh, for instance, this is what happened in in Germany. Hitler was very clear on what he was going to do, um, but then he yep. hid it. These people aren't hiding it. Um, it is in their their mission statements, their charter. They say it all the time. People who are protesting for them on the streets all over the world are saying, you know, death to the Jews, death to Israel, gas the Jews. And yet we always seem to say, well, no, they don't really mean that. <laughs> I, you know, I think that uh, that is definitely part of the problem, but that that comes about because I think in in our west in mo, in the modern Western world we have succumbed to the the um, enlightenment delusion of the goodness of all men and we have been lulled to sleep by a church that has preached God is love uh, without talking about the other side of the coin I mean the the biblical model is pretty clear um, God is love and he expects people to um, respond to that love with a kind of, of character and society that reflects his character in society. But, but the point is that there is another side of the coin, and, that, and, and you know, the, the principal examples of that in the biblical world are the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, what happens to Elimelech. Uh, all, the, there are plenty of, of uh, examples of harsh judgment when uh, it's determined that the you know that the population is beyond redemptive uh, qualities that it no longer exhibits those kinds of of behaviors that qualify them as part of human society and, and I think when we see that happen you know we we are i mean clearly God takes care of some of that stuff in the bible and and I think we as as men who want to men and women who want to reflect his character, we have to do the same we have to remember that. This isn't just, uh, you know, an issue over some humanitarian crisis. This is an issue about whether or not, you know, we have the fortitude to stand up for what's right. Or if we even know what's right anymore. Um, yeah. And it, uh, the judgment comes harsher on those who claim, I think, to be on the side of the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when they fail um, than it does even sometimes on the enemies. Um, they seem to continue to go on, but uh, the the nations, and I'm speaking here of ours and Israel, the nations that uh, make a covenant with God and claim to be on God's side, when they they stop, they're they're allowed to feel the full repercussions of what they've sown. Yeah, I you know I think again it's. Uh... It's a problem with, with our current theology that teaches us that God is love and he loves everyone and we should love everyone. And we've forgotten the, the element of wrath that comes along behind that that says, you know, there is a responsibility toward, um, toward peace and, and uh, loving kindness toward others. And when you fail in that, uh, there's a judgment that comes. Uh, you know, so, it, it reminds me, Glenn, of... The terrible decision that Truman had to make in dropping yes. the atomic bomber in Japan. I mean, 
certainly there were humanitarian issues involved, but it was also in the in a split second the end of the war. I mean, it it just finished everything that needed to be stopped in order for the war to not continue on and on and on uh, in a in a slow way. And I think that. You know, Israel faces the same thing. You cannot allow um, an organization, as you said, whose very constitution calls for the obliteration of every one of your citizens. That that isn't society. That that's a you know that's a culture of death. And that's that that that, that, that is also it's also why the rest of the Arab world will not take them in. Because Absolutely. every time they come in, there's a civil war in their nation, uh, and yeah. it's it's a it's a seed of chaos. So, what are you saying that uh, Israel just goes until there's nothing left? I, I you know I don't want uh, people to be confused about the you know the 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 Palestinian people who are not subject or part of the Hamas movement, because certainly there are some. The problem is sorting it out. The problem is that Hamas controls that environment in such a way that they use those people uh, to accomplish their own purposes as well. Uh, you, You can't, you know, it's not possible to eradicate Hamas without collateral damage. It just isn't possible because of the way that they operate, right? And the, but the point is, you have to eradicate them. If you don't, you will, it, you know, you remember um, when Joshua mistakenly makes a treaty with a group of people, God has said to him, listen, I want the land cleaned of all these people so that when Even the animals. you occupy it, there's no corruption. And he mistakenly makes a treaty with people who misrepresent who they are, and he makes a covenant with them, and then he keeps that promise. And, of course, what, that, what happens is, over the next generations, that mistake grows and fosters an entire um, resident population within the land that causes nothing but chaos and destruction from that point on. And I think that's what Israel faces here. They... They, if they don't exterminate this issue, they, it will continue. It will just, it'll just spring up someplace else. And your point. Okay, hang on just a second, because you use the word exterminate. I want to make sure. Yeah. Exterminate yeah. Hamas, not exterminate all Palestinians. Yeah, that's right. You're yeah, okay. after Hamas. This is an issue about evil. It's not an I- issue about people, right? It's an issue about how do you combat true evil in the world. And your, your point about the Arab nations not wanting them is a really clear indication that there's a real problem here. Right. Not just Israel's problem. Is this any people, different than what we had in World War II? I mean, with the Nazis, we didn't want to kill all of the Germans, but we'll kill no. enough of the Germans until they start saying, no, we're not part of this. We want nothing to do with the Nazis. Yes, I think it's very similar, but there's one important exception, and that is that um, Germany, uh, the war that Germany started, that that Hitler started, was was not based in a religious ideal. And Hamas is basically, um, their their, their thinking is basically uh, a religious idea that allows no negotiation, no surrender, 
and no uh, qualification at all. In other words, they will they will um, achieve, attempt to achieve their objective, no matter what the cost is to the people around them or to themselves, because in their mind, there's only one objective, and that's the extermination of all Jews. And it doesn't matter if it takes every single one of them to do it, which is why negotiating or trying to come up, up with a political solution is never going to work. It just it will, just won't happen. Skip, as a as a uh, uh, a Bible scholar, um, you you must see, you know, Gog, Magog, Russia, Iran, never been in an alliance before. They're in an alliance now. The words of those followers uh, in Iran, all of the clerics are what are called Twelvers. Uh, they believe in the Twelfth Imam, and I believe their good guy is our bad guy, and our good guy is their bad guy um, and yeah. in, in their end times uh, philosophies and stories. And they're talking about this is the war to uh, bring in the promised one. This, they're talking about a war that is biblical in nature. How concerned are you of this getting into a, a global war and, and something that at least looks an awful lot like uh, end times kind of predictions? Yeah, um, certainly there's a concern um, because an ideological war uh, doesn't, function in the same way that any past war that we're aware of in modern history, right? Our, our wars were all based on basically um, uh, gain and loss. Uh, so we, we went to war when we thought we could achieve a victory uh, with the reasonable results um, and, and have some positive Im- impact for ourselves. But an ideological war doesn't work that way. And as you pointed out, a religious war um, has a uh, you know, it has a, a purpose. Its only purpose is to fulfill the mission that God gives you. And um, and in this case, if God gives them the mission that means that they will bring about the end of the world, then, you know, their eschatological concern really motivates this yeah. uh, fervor, this, this, this insane um, behavior and and justifies it all because in the end you're cleaning the world for the um coming of the you know of the 12th Imam yeah. or the or the messiah right yeah their messiah not ours um skip yeah, uh thank you so much i appreciate it if you want to read more from skip we'd love to have you on again skip moen.com skip moen.com best of uh, best of everything to you stay safe this is the best of the glenn beck program Andrew Tobin is with us now. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Glenn. It is uh, it is nice to uh, to talk to you. First, let's get an update from uh, of what's happening there. I know the president just gave a speech to Israel and the world. What does that mean to people who are in Israel, and how is it going to be viewed in uh, the Middle East? Yes, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, President Biden just arrived. Um, gave a speech, and he also um, he also backed the uh, Israeli Israeli uh, the Israeli take on the blast at the at the Gaza hospital. Right. He noted that uh, U.S. intelligence also uh, confirmed that Israeli intelligence has concluded that 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 was uh, an Islamic Jihad rocket and not an Israeli rocket, as so many uh, in the in the international and U.S. media falsely reported. Um, 
I think that people, we've been, so far, I think Israelis are skeptical people. And, um, uh, and, I, I, and I don't think anyone is expecting the Biden administration to, to uh, necessarily save Israel. But I think we've so far been, people here have been pleasantly surprised by, yeah. by Biden's backing of Israel, at least rhetorically, yeah. given uh, his, his record with Iran and some of the uh, rhetoric by members of the Democratic Party in, in Washington, D.C. Horrible. Horrible. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Israel is the one ally that we have that, you know, uh, while we're they are asking for aid, they're the one ally that is like, well, no, 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 no. You're not going to fight our battles. We'll fight our battle. Um, you just you just want some cover and somebody saying, no, Israel has a right to do that, um, which is which is odd. And the only ally that we have that is very capable of fighting their own battle. But this looks like it is going into a regional war quickly. Is that your take on the ground there? Um, that is the fear. Yeah. Um, things are heating up with Hezbollah in the north. Um, with even in Syria, there's been some, uh, some, uh, exchanges of fire. And of course, Israel is now preparing to, or is, seems to be preparing to launch a ground assault into the Gaza Strip, which is, you know, where the, where the terror, the Hamas terrorists came from um, on October 7th. So, yeah, we, and actually in following the, uh, the false reporting um, and the false claims from the Palestinians about the hospital bombing things have, as you, as you mentioned, things have become much more inflamed as far as protests in the West Bank um, uh, mobs uh, surrounding U.S. embassies, uh, including in, in Lebanon and Beirut. So, yeah, things appear to be escalating. I, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows for sure um, where it's going. And, and maybe uh, I, think, I think most Israelis hope that it does not, that, that the war is contained to the Gaza Strip and that we can deal with uh, the terrorists who came and, and uh, slaughtered our civilians and took a couple hundred of them hostage uh, without having to fight a, a regional war. But, but um, it's definitely a very real possibility that, that things could escalate. Yeah, and that's not going to stay a regional war. That'll go global, unfortunately, I fear. Um, there's an opinion poll yep. that I read in your article. Four in five Jewish Israelis blame the government for the rampage. Uh, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, there was actually another another poll that came out either yesterday or today in a, in a um, Israeli newspaper that, uh, that showed even higher number. I think it was 94% of Israelis think the government is to blame for this. Uh, it's been, it's basically, it was a, it was a massive intelligence and military, military failure, or at least that's what it appears to, or I think we can just say that definitively. It was a massive intelligence and military failure that, that these, uh, what we what were kind of seen as, uh, barbarian terrorists, not a particularly, um, sophisticated group were able to burst across the high tech Israeli border 
um, and do so much damage. And the border remained unsecured for for uh, many hours, I believe days. Uh, there were still there were there were regular uh, Palestinian citizens from Gaza, not affiliated with Hamas, streaming into the country, mm, participating yeah. in the atrocities, holding people hostage, robbing them. There's reports that they were involved in rapes and assaults and kidnappings. So it was a massive failure to to predict that. Uh, apparently, there was there there were indications, and it, it should have been detected. And to um, prevent it. And to deal with, you know, it took, there were just heroic stories of, of Israeli soldiers. Um, I was seen on Israeli TV last night. There was a, one young man who killed dozens and dozens of terrorists in a, in a small Israeli village near the border. Um, but he was just on his own with a couple, a couple of his friends, um, you know, like basically, uh, fighting the, uh, fighting Hamas terrorists as they, as they continue to flood in and, and no one came to the rescue. Um, so, so people are very, um, people, Israel is a, is a diverse country. People don't always know that. Yeah. The country is um, Jews from the Middle East who, who were actually expelled by the Arab countries and forced to uh, take, uh, to take shelter or to move to Israel. Um, and, and so, um, and there's lots of different types of uh, there right. are Christians and there's different types of Jews and there's um, there's even a, a quite a few Jews the Jews from Russia and Africa. No, I mean so honestly, it's, it's very if, diverse if, if you've ever been to Israel or just around Jewish people, that I'm telling you, you have two rabbis, you have five opinions. Uh, I mean, it's like it's <laughs> it's right. crazy. And then we have the Arabs and and uh, right complicated. So we are a very divided country, and we we've we've had our fair share of. Uh, of beefs and quarrels lately, but um, this event, as you might expect, kind of like um, after 9-11 in the United States, united everyone, has united everyone, and it's been, um, it's been a real national effort to, uh, to recover from this and to rally for, for a war in response to this, but at the same time, people have apparently lost all faith in the government, so it's a very kind of grassroots effort. Um, and and it's not uh, being led by our politicians. In fact, it, uh, yeah, this is widely anticipated that after this war, there will be a reckoning and and um, kind of a house cleaning. Is this is this um, translating over also to negotiating with Hamas all the time? I mean, is the idea at least the feeling that we have here is. Israel's had enough of this little game of we want a two state solution. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, you know, and, and you're you're barbarians and you can't we can't deal with you. Or is what's happening to the rest of the world like, you know, well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's not be too rash here. Is that happening at all in Israel? Yes, I, th- I think in Israel, the the. There is. Been, I think the idea of a two-state solution has, has been kind of was discredited in Israel long before um, this. The U.S. And, and American Jews caught up, so there isn't a lot of faith in a two-state solution. We, it's pretty clear that there's no partner for peace right now. Even those who would very much like to see peace, which is probably a majority of the country, still holds out hope. But no one expects it anytime soon. Uh, this, this has definitely. No one is talking about about uh, 
about reconciliation right now, this has definitely um, kind of driven home the point that there um, that Israel has to fight for its existence, and there's there's no one to talk to about about a two state solution at the moment. We are seeing uh, some really frightening things here in America uh, and all over the world. London. Uh, with these Palestinian support groups that are, you know, uh, you know, exhilarated is a quote from one uh, one uh, college professor um, by the the killing and the the killing of innocents and and the executions that that happened by uh, Gaza. And, you know, there are some politicians now here in America saying may, maybe we should uh, deport some of these people. Can 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 the rest of the world live with the Palestinians? How do you how do you know who the good Palestinians are and who the bad Palestinians are? That's a tough question. All, I think what I could say, um, I, I, I by the way have been a reporter in Israel for uh, I, I was I was I'm an American Jew. My my father is Jewish, and I grew up in the U.S. and I moved here about a decade ago. To report, and I met it. Uh, I met an Israeli girl and fell in love and, and started a family. And now, and now I'm I've been stuck here ever since. Happily stuck here um, for the most part, but stuck here. Um, so I'm I'm Israeli now, and I live an Israeli life. Um, but I'm 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 American um, first and foremost in some ways. And um, and I have been really appalled by the response from parts of the left and the media in the U.S. to this. And I think a lot of even liberal American Jews are kind of waking up that there's a bigger problem here, that you see mm. so much of a, an, an overlap between a kind of radical Islamist ideology and, and what's supposed to be progressive worldview and just this, the, the hatred of, of America and Israel and and you know, the West in general, um, the the rejection of kind of liberal, basic liberal principles about, you know, uh, equality under the law and um, all people being equal and a, more of a, a worldview that's about oppression and power and vengeance and retribution. And yeah. yeah, it's been very, very disheartening, worse than I would have even expected in a lot of ways. Um, there have been some, you know, there's been some bright spots, of course, um, Biden has been less bad than, than feared. And there's been some sympathy for Israel and the media and everything, but you, you know, yeah, you see what the Rashida yeah. would believe yeah. and, you know, on Omar's black lives matter and the Harvard students. And you see the, the, you know, the really atrocious reporting on this, on this, uh, hospital blast that, that, um, was pretty clearly carried out or maybe it was an accident, but it was clearly pretty clearly, um, the result of a Palestinian rocket and you had the New York times and right. so much of, of the U S media taking as fact, the word of, uh, of Hamas terrorists, uh, as far as what happened and how many people were killed and all that. And I think that's just that, that actual event yesterday as was really kind of, uh, a good microcosm or, or it was very revealing about a larger trend that isn't always yeah. quite so blatant and explicit with, with uh, the the media's tendency to just to the, the left uh, sympathy to the Palestinian cause and the media's tendency to, to take the, the terrorists at their word, we're uh, we're, ta- we're uh, 
We're talking to like Andrew Tobin. I'm sorry we have a delay uh, on the phone. Um, Washington Free Beacon deputy editor. He's an American, lives there, has family there. He's, you know, been instructed, you know, come home by the U.S. State Department. He won't. Why? Why do you live there? Is a question that some people would ask. Andrew, I have 90 seconds. Um, answer for me the question, why would you just keep your family in danger by staying there? Why not leave Israel? We, we considered the, the, the potential need to leave to protect our young son is four years old, and our um, my wife is seven and a half months or so pregnant. Mm-hmm. So there was a, there we we didn't dismiss the idea of leaving outright, but um, but my wife's family's here. Her brother is is uh, a, a commando soldier who is returning from the U.S. Actually, where he was living to fight this war. Her, her sister uh, is serving in the military. Her base was overrun by these terrorists. Um, we have a community here to support and, um, th- that's one thing. And the other thing is we, like you said, um, we feel the need to be here kind of in solidarity with the Jewish nation, which doesn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. And this is a fight that, that we have to win. And, um, and I think in some ways it's a fight for, against all these forces we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, the, the, interviews of freedom around the world yeah andrew um i appreciate it thank you so much for talking to us if there is anything that we are you know that i or my audience can do to help you please uh, feel free to jump on the phone with us immediately andrew tobin from the washington free beacon deputy editor will be paying praying for your you and your family and the birth of your uh, your next child godspeed 